Welcome everyone to the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy with his own Monopoly file. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Sometimes bullies just need someone to punch them in the face. The Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 205, Alignment Chart, is brought to you by Target. They got everything, so don't you dare come home with pillows. Pete, getting out the old weekly cloak and dagger discussion a little later than usual on account of some busy times going on in the real world, as well as some time spent, you know, along with everybody else who contributed to the 1,223,641,414 dollar debut of Avengers Endgame in the last week. So, getting a little extra time in the MCU, a little late. Uh, kissing the old forehead of this podcast before it gets sent out, but here we are talking Cloak and Dagger. And of course, our Avengers Endgame podcast is available for you, both on the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek, as well as the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek. Indeed, Pete, but let's take things back now down to New Orleans. Give us that episode recap. Tandy makes a toast with a story about a viper and a farmer. Ty's father starts to sew a new cloak. The docile O'Reilly still can't hit the mark. Connors retrieves a stashed gun. After the title card, as Ty holds Connors' badge, Tandy recaps the rapidly unfolding action inside his cloak that resulted in freedom for the man who killed his brother. He's upset with her, but she's upset she didn't get any leads on the missing girls. Buzz buzz, Tandy's mom is in full freak out about where she is. Ty tells her to go check on her mother. At home, Tandy tells mom she was helping Ty, who mom likes. Turns out mom had some fun last night drinking with the women from her support group. She only had two drinks and even danced. And then the super hot doctor bought them around and even asked for her number. Tandy voices her concern in her mother potentially being caught in the cycle of abuse by wealthy men. Mom owns her inability to leave her late husband, but Tandy tells her she should have left sooner. The tea kettle rattles O'Reilly at home before Ty comes by to tell her Connors is back. He thinks they should check around for him with Tandy, but O'Reilly's terrified because she's not who she used to be. He wants her to remember this moment the next time she gets mad at him when he goes out and does something on his own before teleporting out. At the church, Ty repeatedly texts Tandy, but to no avail. Connors carefully counts steps with a shovel to unearth something. Ty empties a whole bunch of bullets to create a pile of gunpowder. Connors grabs a hacksaw out of his trunk. Ty traces a bevet in gunpowder 
and lights it ablaze to find Connors, who gets the drop on him, but he wants to help Ty put him behind bars before sliding him the gun. As Tandy continues her tale about the farmer and the viper, Ty thinks he's being set up. The gun is the same one that killed his brother. Connors then explains how the hacksaw was used to cut railing to beat Fuchs to death. With that and his confession, it's almost enough to exonerate Ty. Connors seems to have been convinced to make good by the mysterious waking nightmare he was trapped in. Ty doesn't believe he's changed, but Connors cuffs himself. Tandy goes to the support group center where she sees Leah as Andre finishes up a phone call. Someone, it turns out, rescued a bunch of girls from a human trafficking ring the other night. Some are in the hospital, some in jail because they're too scared to tell the truth. Some even say there was a girl who looked like an angel and a boy who moves like a shadow. Tandy wants to talk to the girls and give them a chance to talk to O'Reilly. Andre doesn't feel it's appropriate. Leah might be a lead, though. O'Reilly reviews Mayhem's evidence in the hotel room and reads Fuchs' obituary. Ty's dad chews the fat with his friend Choo Choo when Ty comes to see them with Connors in tow. Tandy tells Leah about this guy who always saw the best in her as they committed crime together. Duct taped to a chair, Connors explains he could sing like a bird but still walk away because of his uncle, State Senator Asa Henderson. They're from an old, odd family Connor's great-great-grandfather was a founding member of the Promenade Society, a place where rich white folk go to talk about how they're going to upstage other white folk at Mardi Gras. But that power and money cleared up Connor's potential disgrace from killing Billy in just one afternoon. Leah tells Tandy she has her own share of regrets, like her. Connors wants to give Ty and his father a secretive monopoly file on his uncle to put them both behind bars. Leah urges Tandy to face her ex one last time to say goodbye and asks Leah to come with her in case it goes awry. O'Reilly opens a trunk and takes apart a big gun. Tandy awaits her ex as Leah looks on when Ty comes by. He reports he's found Connors. Ty notices Leah watching, but Tandy maintains she's not. He told her meeting in public was too risky. Tandy comes clean that Leah's ex might know something about the scuzzball taking those girls. Ty can play the abusive boyfriend or pimp. Either one will do. She didn't call her black friend, but her best one. Ty says he'd never use Tandy and leaves, giving Leah a show, who in turn tells Tandy all about her ordeal at the hands of her abusive, grow house running ex, Eric, until she met Andre. Ty and his father don't feel they can trust Connors. 
Dad tells him how he's making a new costume. Leah gives Tandy the location of the grow house. Connors tells Ty about the key he needs to get off his uncle in the steam room. Ty turns up the heat and teleports in and takes the key before Connors talks him through raiding the files at the Promenade Society, where he'll need help to create a distraction. Tandy checks out Eric's operation. O'Reilly informs the Promenade Society it's the target of a bomb threat. They don't exactly believe her until a security camera catches a bomb blow in a nearby garage, setting off an exodus of old white men. Ty teleports in where he catches O'Reilly up on Connor's confession. Eric and the others corner Tandy, spraying her with mace. Ty teleports into wine storage for the file in a special bottle for all the information he'll need to clear himself. Tandy blinds her attackers with a ball of light before interrogating and threatening Eric. Tandy finishes her toast that is about somebody even better than the farmer, her best friend, Tyrone Johnson, who has taken Connors from his father and beats him because there was no file in the bottle. Ty sees a vision of a heartless Connors trying to cuff himself with his thumper and gun tainting the scales of justice. Connors tells Ty to kill him because he's ready for judgment, but Ty's not going to do that. There's someone who can bring him justice. O'Reilly continues to miss her mark. Ty's gun-toting mother gets a knock from Ty who brings her Connors. An unsteady Tandy is surprised by Leah outside the grow house. An ambulance rolls up and Leah tases Tandy. Tandy's toast is revealed to be an idealized vision of Ty becoming a cop and his subsequent celebration, which Billy, Evita, and even her late father attend as Tandy is unconscious in the ambulance. Pete, recap over. Let's talk some dark figures here. Do we still consider Connors one bad dude? We can't possibly trust him, can we? I mean, is growing a beard and having been disappeared for, you know, a third of a season TV code now for can definitively be trusted? Or is it TV code that, yes, he kind of, you know, accidentally shot a kid, then covered it up, but he lived in a waking nightmare. That's punishment enough. I don't think that's what the show is selling completely. Certainly, I am more sympathetic to him, given the ordeal that he's been through. But I don't know. I certainly share Tyrone's reluctance to uh, fully accept what the guy is saying. I mean, his, his father's, the, you know, we've complimented the show for taking on the topics it repeatedly has here in the second season, human trafficking, uh, ideas of race. I mean, even in this episode that, uh, Tyrone rightfully confronts Tandy. Oh, you called your, your black friend to play a, an abusive ex or a pimp. Which one's it going to be? Um, and I, I love 
that uh, that gets called out. Um, but, you know, matters of police and race uh, that they they dug into deeply in that first season, I think, make us very wary of Connors. Is he the key to a larger conspiracy and his father and this entrenchment with the promenade society? Of course he is. But there's something just off about that guy, at least the way that J.D. Evermore is playing him to mislead us. Pete, anybody who's an acting veteran of not one but two episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger, knows how to. Nay, Pete, three, I take that back, knows how don't, to. Don't leave on. out Walking Dead. I mean, J.D. Evermore has uh, shows with walking or walkers in it covered. Uh, and I take that back. It's four episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm talking your Kyle Finley, your Monty Vole, your Snake Lipton, and your Patrolman Cross. But Pete, I digress. Let's go from Patrolman Cross, paid by, played by J.D. Evermore, a cop, somebody who needs the cops to come after him and the person of Eric, what there with that grow house and such. Bad dude. Ultimately, he winds up being a lesser evil, what with who we believe is his ex in Leah. I don't know that we can even take that at face value um, come the end of the episode. But, you know, any man who's growing the drugs, moving the drugs, and then attacking uh, a woman inside the drug place certainly belongs on this list. And I think that that's part of the reason why, if we circle back to Connor's just for a brief moment, Connor's redemptive arc or his desire for true justice, uh, the, the story may be committed to that because we now have Eric, for all the reasons you just mentioned, not just in charge of a grow house or one plant. It's a major operation. There's human trafficking involved, in, involved presumably, and things of that sort. We also have... The mayhem situation which though she doesn't meet a level of villainy to be on our dark figures list for this episode that's a story concern as well so five episodes to go to do what the capture and imprisonment and trial of connor's some combination there to do eric and the human trafficking thing brought to justice to deal with mayhem theory on that in a little bit um there's so much going on that it well could be that we're just going to do another couple more episodes where Connors is still on the run and then bring him to justice just as we bring Eric to justice, etc. Let's talk about Uncle Asa. Uncle Senator Asa Henderson. Uh, Pete, I think that the show should be applauded for bringing in some of these larger issues, whether we have the issue of trafficking, drug use, uh, police and race here we have that real kind of systemic you know old money old connections kind of thing we've been here since the such and such times and we see that with uncle asa where it's a guy who's you know in a men's only club which initially i did not you know i kind of didn't fully appreciate that until they're like a woman with a badge oh my um this is but, this is scandal most sublime <laughs> How am I supposed to be able to walk wearing nothing but a white towel? Uh, Where are my and... britches? <laughs> um, but we see in him, and with the purported Monopoly file and all that, we see that kind of 
you know, systemic good old boy network that also might be dealt with in the second half of the season in these upcoming five episodes. So again, I feel like it points back to Connors where the show has other things to say other than this guy is bad. There's other bad people here that, that need justice and uh, Connors at least is asking for it. Um, and that he's trying to bring at least, again, we're meant to think he's trying to bring his uncle and himself to some form of justice. And we seem to buy it with the, the vision too, um, that he means to properly inform and, and prevent even worse things that that's the one illusion too that, you know, stuff they haven't done yet that the, uh, the corrupt members, let, let's not paint all the old white dudes with, you know, the, the same brush. I'm sure there were some that ran out of there like scaredy cats who, you know, just go back to the bank and, and don't steal or commit other felonies. Um, but yeah, you know, the word you use that I would largely agree with is systemic. And if you're going to tell the cop corruption story, you're going to bring in the uh, the racial angle as you did last season when Connors killed um, Ty's brother, Billy, now to flesh out how that was covered up, made to go away, the the shocking disclosure in an afternoon at this place in the sauna or maybe in wine storage or where have you that these dirty deals are uh are hammered out but then matt we really kind of given the dastardly twist at the end of this episode try to even things out with leah i certainly was not uh predicting that ending to any degree i think the tight close-up and somewhat hazy focus around tandy for her uh for her toast scene which ends up being a frame device of sorts you know we can assume that this is her hallucination that she has as she's carted off in the ambulance uh, at least that was how i took it and to have been placed there by Leah, somebody who came across as so sympathetic, so understanding of uh, being in an abusive relationship. Uh, we can assume also, perhaps, somebody who's familiar with uh, money being tight, whether it's true poverty or not, I, I, I couldn't quite say. But certainly some of those difficulties at the, at the lower end of the economic scale, things of that sort. And to have her turn here and to be party to these uh to these abductions which are happening certainly a surprise and again if we're meant to take what she tells tandy that you know she was repeatedly offered up by the abusive ex as a way to do business and then the beatings came um you know later on that in her own worldview, she would see this as some kind of misguided way to, you know, further ingratiate herself with another abuser um, as some kind of distorted sense of justice, whatever it is. Like I said before, the word is dastardly. 
it certainly remains to be seen how much uh, responsibility versus victimization the show is going to place on Leah. I, I think you had perhaps a little bit more of a uh, more of a manipulated view of her, you know, in terms of she's doing this as some kind of escape or because she's kind of compelled to do so uh, by the hires up. But it's an interesting story spot certainly to to further explore with these five episodes with that pete let's switch on over to some light theories here's an oldie but a goodie in part because i think strength is picking up for it so o'reilly and mayhem really have to be joined together again shouldn't they we really see an o'reilly that you know for the number of times that she's you know trying to do cop things including hit that target one really does sense that we're going to have to have perhaps some sort of upward glowing light with computer generated electricity, something to join the two back into the one from whence they came. I just wish it was a little easier to know when I'm looking at O'Reilly and when I'm meant to think I'm looking at mayhem. I, I get it. They put her in the, hotel room she's working the evidence she's wearing a white shirt but even then i'm like i think she has darker lipstick on am i looking at mayhem um if only there was a way matt and and even then there was a misdirect with the song because one of the lyrics was uh it it's mayhem like (laughs) but but back to what you're saying uh of course, we've got to join them. Even in the previously on segment, we had Mina talking about how the, the docile, uh, you know, parts of the, the split personalities, you know, were, were ruled by fear. And, and we get these very base reactions out of O'Reilly. Um, but of course, they're going to need to join together. Pete, we have in this episode, let's. Let's get ready to dig deep here, okay? Connors raises that gun at Tyrone before lowering the gun, kicking it over, turning himself in. Is this a deep insight into the psychology of a conflicted man racked with his own guilt? Or is it an attempt to build up some tension before a twisty act end? I, I want to buy the coming clean I don't know if that's a thing from the comics in my experience with cloak and dagger. I don't remember, you know, when you, when you go to the nether region or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I've read it particularly in runaways, like when they, when they get sucked in there, there's nothing about like trying to be better people when they come out. Right. Not as I recall. No, it's, it's more so like there were monsters in there and it was scary. So I like the show's affectation of, all right, it's scared him straight. He has uh, learned to try to be a better person. It uh, hammers home the idea of redemption. I mean, can there be full redemption of someone who has killed uh, a defenseless teen and then been complicit in the cover up for it? I would argue no, but perhaps they're setting us up so that he can be taken out by other bad guys. Well, I think we're on the path, the story path of his redemption is 
justice and accepting the rule of law and things of that sort to kind of come out of this extra legal existence that he's in where he's law enforcement but does not abide by it through his own actions because uncle asa etc and i think that we're going to see you know where other characters might die in the explosion or you know terrific gunfight or something like that i think it's going to be the pound of flesh of no the bad man goes to jail but pete what other light theories do you have uh ty's dad is working on a new costume here we get some sketches um and i think it pairs up ty doesn't have the old costume remember it had gotten ripped and you know he's he's since moved on from that he's been using his hoodie he even uses a towel in this episode so i i sure hope uh you know um that the uh, the wardrobe designer on the show can get us the the new costume soon, right? <laughs> it, it does seem like we're kind of headed towards, you know. And here is your real costume. End of season two, as cloak and dagger run off with the bat signal behind them, or maybe some better version of that. But you know, run off to go continue their their adventures. One can hope, Pete. One can hope. Where is the file that was supposed to be in the special wine bottle? That's a good question. I I find it interesting that Tyrone thought that everything he was told was a lie, despite the fact that the key was hidden where Connor said, and you know the special shelf in the wine room was reserved for Uncle Asa, and there was even the one that had the the false bottom and whatnot. I think maybe the story had Tyrone be a little uh, presumptive there, given that all the other things fit in. Um, but where's the file? I, I don't know. Can we can we assume that maybe he took it out? He Uncle Asa took it out this once, or he moved it, or something like that. They will certainly have to address it. It would be a poor bit o storytelling if. There's no explanation. It's just Connors thought it would be there and it isn't next. So obviously Tandy has been taken in this ambulance. They're going to attempt to traffic her uh, in the manner similar to the girls that were rescued uh, by Tandy. Um, But Leah says things changed when she met Andre is Andre going to be at the heart of this marketing, um, this trafficking scheme? It's difficult to say because, of course, we learned at the end of the episode that we can't trust anything that she has said. I feel like maybe not. I feel like we're just going to circle back to the easiest answer, which is she's in on the grow house situation. She is complicit. Um that said, the show clearly having taken up this cause here of uh, trafficking and abuse, you know, we get it stated again by Tandy, leaving someone who hurts you isn't hard, mom, you just leave. Uh, I would propose that perhaps it isn't always that easy, although the sentiment of get out of the bad situation, there, there are resources to help you, that is certainly one that is true and uh, one that is very apt, but you know, again, we run into this issue of there's a lot of story for the next five episodes. Are we going to do more fake outs with Leah or not? I would vote not. 
Pete, let's check the old mailbag and email from Tommy. Uh, a short but sweet email saying, Hey guys, love what you're doing with Cloak and Dagger. It's part of my Cloak and Dagger week to listen to your podcast. Pete, that's from Tommy. That was very nice of Tommy to reach out. Admittedly, I would think this episode a little light on feedback given that all our hardcore Marvel people were checking out the earliest showings of Avengers Endgame. So get around to us for next week. Well, Pete, we, of course, are here each week podcasting the MCU and all the particulars in part because of those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Need to give them a big thank you for helping keep the bleeps and the bloops, the bandwidth, the storage, etc. all chugging along. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels. From there, you want to get in at the Promenade Society level. There's one for you there, although we may call in a bomb threat. <laughs> uh, Pete, how can people be in touch with you as we get ready for the second half of season two of Cloak and Dagger? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,000. 447 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter on instagram on gmail where we are fantastic geek as well but wait there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today pete for those listening on the pop culture podcast feed in the next couple days we're going to wrap up Star Trek Discovery Season 2, ahead of talking more Cloak and Dagger. Before you know it, we'll be getting ready to count down to the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, also exploring more Cloak and Dagger for this uh, this next five episodes. With that, Pete, I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. After all, who doesn't love a good story? <laughs> <laughs>